when Shamrock Rovers got one back, tears came to my eyes. And we went two went up and I heard those thousands of Sligo people. I was proud and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Chilali. North. Elding. 3-2. They've been looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson! 1-1. Hello and welcome along to the third Bit of Red Supporters Trust podcast. Are we calling this a bit of pod? Bit of pod. A bit of pod it is. Bit of pod. Um, okay, so welcome to the third edition of A Bit of Pod. Um, thanks to those of you who've been in touch with us through email, who've uh, been pretty um, positive about, uh, you've given us positive feedback so far about the podcast. Uh, you can get us podcast at borst.ie and we also encourage you to visit the Bit of Red Supporters Trust website, new website there, borst.ie. Um, so uh, today's pod, we speak to, we have a great chat with um, uh, Will Seymour, captain of the team uh, in the recent win against Derry. Um, so stick around for that. We're going to look ahead to the game in Tala on Friday night. We're going to look back on the disappointment of Waterford and um, we finally have a bit of good news um, about... Um, finding a good bit of good news in relation to a win uh, at home to Derry, thanks to God. But we'll start with um, with Waterford. Like I mean, it was just such. I can't express enough how disappointing that performance was. It was my first time in a pub uh, with some of the lads since this whole lockdown crack started. There was no food. It was just a couple of pints. I mean, I was absolutely buzzing and. To put in a performance and end up with a result like that, Sean, like what, what, devastation. Yeah, they ruined it for you. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, so I haven't introduced uh, everyone that's here. Um, we have Magoo and uh, we've Sean Dunn, uh, myself, Connor Lynch. But they, yeah, they did ruin it. And uh, like, it, what I don't understand is like, you know, the position that we are in the league. Um, we've beaten Waterford, we've seen Waterford get pocketed by Pats, they're there for the taking. I think before we just started recording there, Sean, you made a point about the Rovers' formation going into the game. Oh, starting with a 4-4-2, straight away I thought a very negative approach towards a game that... I think when we go back on last week's pod and we all talked about it, we thought we were going to attack them. We thought we were going to get stuck into them from the word go. Yeah. It just wasn't like that at all. Yeah. The complete opposite to what we thought was going to happen. We sat back, we let them have the ball, and we, we, let, them, we let them dictate the whole game. The whole game. We, we made no attempt whatsoever to play, made no attempt whatsoever to press. We made, it was possibly one of the most frustrating performances I've watched in a long time from Sligo Rovers. Just in regard to what it meant to the fans, what it meant to the club in general, it felt like a cup final for everyone. You could feel everyone, you could see everyone on Twitter, or Facebook, wherever it was, wherever you were chatting to anyone before the game. Everyone was of the same mindset that this was massive. Mm-hmm. And everyone was buzzing for it. But then the deflation afterwards was just... Yeah. It was mm-hmm. crazy. It was like a lead balloon just dropped. Yeah, like we, the poor starts in the games, uh, away to Pats, home to Bowes. It was just the same thing again. 
in the Waterford game, Magoo, but it just continued for the 45 minutes. Obviously, they scored reasonably early. Yeah, I was so disappointed, though. As, as Sean said, everything Sean said is 100% spot on. It was so disappointing. Like, as Sean said last week, we were expecting to be, and we were hoping to be aggressive, because like, that's the way to get out Waterford. We've all seen it. The, the, I will, in my own opinion, they don't have the heart or the fight for it if you put it up to them. You can see that with the, the late goals they've conceded in games. The, the hammering they've got from Shams, they don't have the fight if it's put up to them. And we were, I was fully expecting us to go straight from the word goal, get into them, be aggressive. Like, remember the first game back? We haven't been like this since the first game back against Derry. Yeah. We were so, right from the start, from the front foot, everybody, the three men up front, straight into their faces. We closed them down, we were aggressive, we were into them, and it, it built the foundation for the win that day. But we haven't been like that since. But, uh, but Waterford was a new law yeah. in that regard. It was we were so slow and passive and lethargic and and then words are that's like just glossing over it. Really. That's sugarcoating it. We were pathetic. We were yeah. awful. But <laughs> it reminded me. Sorry, Connor. It, it reminded me so much of the late Dave Robertson days and the Jared Little yeah. days of just. Nothing happening. Nothing happening. Just kind of wait and see. And I heard me yearning for the Danny Ventra, Conor O'Grady days. Yeah. Some man needed to put in a challenge there, early doors, to put a marker down to something. Yeah. Like, your man Weir was, had the run of the pitch for most of the game there. He was just getting the ball at centre has in 20 yards all around him and do what he wants with it. Like, was it his ball for the goal? It's his ball. It's actually, the goal is so early, we can touch on it straight away, I suppose. Their goal comes from... Uh, so Wally getting it at right full, mm-hmm. plays it into the centre half, and I think he gets it back again and then plays it into where. Yeah. In that time, Cooper watches on, Cawley watches on, Moran watches yeah. on, the Freaks watches on. Mm-hmm. No one makes an attempt to press. Mm-hmm. It's obviously a tactic that's been employed by Buckley, I assume, to say let them have it. But that's their game plan, was to get the ball to where and let him hit the channels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, it fine, just... it's fine letting him have it if then he hits the long ball. But three of our men get sucked under the one long ball. Yeah, or the defender was absolutely Now, in fairness, it was a great finish. Like, you couldn't... You oh, can't there's, nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong with the but finish. But he, he shouldn't be in a position to have a go at that. Yeah. Three men shouldn't be getting sucked under one long ball from a fellow who had no pressure on him 50 yards back to pitch. That goal, there's only one part of that goal that is unavoidable, and that's the shot. It's exceptional. Everything leading up to it yeah. is we can do something about it. Yeah. There's no exceptional pass. There's no... Great piece of skill so, to get by a man or something like that. And then, and what made the whole display worse then was the fact that we conceded that goal early. There was no, still no fight after that. No. There was no, there was nobody on the pitch then getting fellas by the scruff of the neck, shouting, well, roaring, yeah. into tackles, yeah. putting the marker down. Yeah. Nothing. There was no, like, we needed a leader on the pitch. We needed, like, if so, for the importance of the game, is I think, was, like, People probably listen now going, geez, they're getting a bit over dramatic, like about one game. I don't think so. We only lost one nil, we didn't get hammered, it was a, a worldly of a goal, like but it, I think it's the importance of the game, yeah. really, to the whole not just oh we qualify for Europe next year and we whatever it's that for the whole club is much more than just a game against some European team. It's the whole the money and the the future of the club it's Absolutely. that's that, that's kind of the thing that I took away from the game when they reflected on it afterwards was you know, if I'm playing in that team and the, all the uncertainty about what's going to happen next year because of COVID, you know, the whole f- uncertainty around finances for the vast majority of teams in the league. But you have a fair idea that if you can qualify for Europe, that it changes everything. That yeah. 
you know, if you're playing reasonably well, like you know, most of the players are kind of are playing quite well, and they're putting themselves forward as strong contenders to be, well, as far as we're concerned, to be here for next season. And you know that if we get into the European spot, it changes everything, and your income is more certain. So then, when you go into a game like that Waterford game, you expect to see that reflected in the performance. Yeah. It just wasn't. It just there. wasn't, no. And look, people are going to say it, and and they are right. But look, Europe isn't gone. It's still a possibility, but what we done was we took we took it out of our own hands. Yeah, it was in our hands, and it, now it's not. And that was yeah. it's really disappointing. Like, and it's now really, we're depending on people. To it was actually well, listen, it was actually a bit heartbreaking. Like I was, I was, and it's really over dramatic. But I was, I went a little bit heartbroken for the weekend. Like I couldn't well, even, I couldn't even look forward to the game yesterday. I was that heartbroken well, because it was. I agree with you. Like I, you, you put a message into the group text, um, into the WhatsApp group yesterday, kind of telling us. How difficult it was for you. I couldn't. Uh, I just uh, couldn't. The, 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 um, they took the good out of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was. Um, but we did create a couple of chances. I mean, we're talking about the running and, and the effect of, um, you know, Waterford's opposition, Waterford's running, our running, and uh, the Dundalk running uh, towards the end of the pod today. But we did create a couple of chances in the second half. I know I'd lost. I also had McFadden back to score the first goal at thirty-three to one. I thought I never felt so sure about a bet in my life, and that didn't happen. But we did create some chances in the second half, didn't we? Yeah, well, actually, one of our better chances actually came in the first half. Um, from it was actually from a Waterford mistake from Sudwali. Delayed on the ball, and Cooper caught him and nipped it off him, and that's yeah, when he yeah, rounded. Yeah, he yeah. rounded the goalkeeper, but he just got caught in two minds. Yeah. He had just pushed his touch, just pushed him a wee bit far. Of taking the shot on, I think he just he hesitated for a second, yeah. and that was it. It was the attack was dead. He, he, did, get a he, did, he did the whole end and pick a man out instead of just. Yeah. He was right to just stand on away for a man running in, but the rush of blood came. You see. That was it. He was caught in two miles, yeah. and it just it held up unfortunately. But I don't. I think that what do you have then? You have Coughlin's chance in the second half, literally right after kickoff, it breaks for us. He yeah. beats what two men at the uh, the edge of the area, but even like that, it's. Straight at the goalkeeper, it's not troubling. No, it's half chances. Now they didn't trouble us a whole point either, and that's the thing. Like they're they're not. They had one shot on target. That was a goal. Yeah, they're not. They weren't. Like they were here for the taking. I can't. I don't know. Like how many bookings did we get? One. Yeah, Collie. Yeah. More in. No. In a game of such importance, like that's what I found afterwards. That. I think the last twenty minutes to me was like we were losing the pre-season friendly. Yeah, I, I think was expecting to see right yellow cards being thrown out all over the place by. Yeah. With that importance, you know what I mean? Like start losing the regular somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's put that aside. Um, we did see a change in um, in the level of performance last night here in Showgrounds. Well, it was a bit better. I won't, I won't, I'm not going to go overboard and say it was a massive improvement, but it was it was a wee bit better. Yeah, I, I, I still I, think I, there's. I absolutely agree with you. I still think there's there's so much more. Like yeah. I thought the first half last night was still. A nothing game. Like, yeah. To me, it was an end of season game. I thought. I, I absolutely. I thought the you, gone, you were, Europe's you, gone, and we're it's an end of season game. Look, nobody gives a shit. You feel a bit different and about it, Tushan, do you? I saw a level of intensity that I hadn't seen in three or four games. I think there was a bite in the players that wanted a wee bit more. Now, by a, we weren't amazing on the ball or anything like that by any means, but I just seen. I suppose it was a commitment level more than anything. I seen that hadn't been there, mm. so I was impressed by that. And there was some passages of play where we were actually very good at times. There was, but we've, in fairness, we've had that all season, like, cause we're, yeah. we, that's the that's the disappointing thing. We have a good team there. We have good ballers there. Like we know we can play. We know we we're. It was the midfield last night. I think that got, uh, that was impressive. I just think Seymour and Moran were far more positive. 
everything yeah. we got, they were playing it ahead of them, they were playing it out wide, they were getting it forward. Every, nearly every time, the Freaks was making himself available for them. Well, I think the, I think yeah, the Freaks, I think, is a big, he's, I think he has the wee bit of the X Factor. Yeah. Freaks, he is, he is uh, a wee bit different. The more, we've seen the matter in all the games, the more he's on the ball, the more likely we look like we're going to he finds them passes where he splits the fences. Yeah. Yeah. He, he gave one, one it might have been in the first half uh, last night against Derry, he, deep in the middle of the park, yeah, he, 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 he yeah, split the yeah. uh, between, between the centre yeah. half and uh, full back, out the divers, is it? Yeah, yeah Jesse, the shot was saved. It was a long pass, perfectly weighted, it was just wonderful. You yeah. know? But he, um, I mean, De Vries offers that physicality, He's got speed, he's got strength. If he's running at you, you're worried, but also that ability to yeah, play yeah. ball. Yeah, I think Great that's actually something face. that he's isn't commented on his game too much, actually. He's what you pointed on there, Connors, his physicality. Yeah. He's, he's as strong as an ounce. He does not get knocked off the ball. Yeah, and, and his... I don't know if everybody scores that goal that he scored last night. No, that, the that, desire he shows. Well, bravery, bravery, yeah. Yeah, That's but the desire, what we were just talking about, we didn't have in Waterford. Yeah. Was like, to get on to the end of that, you had to have desire and heart and bravery to get on to the end of that. The last know. few minutes. Do you want to talk about uh, team selection for the Derry game? Um, Banks was dropped? I think deservedly so. I think looking back on the Waterford game, just to, uh, defensively he was okay, but on the ball he was absolutely atrocious. He gave everything away. And I actually had to look back on it. I even said to you, Connor, before we came in, I just said I'd take a wee glance back over the game to see. Would I be right in saying that? He actually gave the ball away every time he touched it. It was so uncharacteristic. Yeah. I wonder, I, t- I, I was saying to you last night though, I wonder is he carrying the, the Bowles game here? He was, he was, get, he, he was, was holding his leg a week. He was holding his leg a good few times, yeah. I thought he was going to come off at one stage. That would add up, to be honest with you, because I haven't seen him play like that before. Oh. But now he's back, he's a long time out as well, so yeah. it's yeah. it's going to catch up. I suppose the adrenaline will get him through the first few games and then it's things like that are going to start catching up with him. So Noon went in there to fullback, he did okay. I think um, I think Gary Buckley's performance needs to be commented on last night as oh, well. Oh, he's outstanding. He, he dug Noon out a couple of times, just his positioning, his game knowledge, um, and his overall performance was, like he, I mean, he hadn't kicked the ball in a long time against Bowles, he wasn't great, but and I said he needs to play the next game. He needs to play the next game. I think he needs to, we need to play him. He's like, a Roll, he's like a Rolls Royce, isn't he? He but needs need, to. Yeah. Gary Buckley. Starting slow, and he's he's he once he builds up, he's he, he looked outstanding last night. Yeah, I wonder what his best position is now. Well, I'd like to see I'd like to see him in um, in front of the in front of the back four in Tala, um, with Moran in midfield himself. Like I, I mean, I don't want to go too defensive. I suppose you have to. But he offers that defensive capability as well, but he can also open things up. Well, when's the last time well, you've seen a centre half? In the showgrounds, come on and beat two lads at the edge of the area and then lay it off to a yeah. fuller rifle. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. insane. I couldn't believe what I was watching. That's what you get from having a midfielder in defence, isn't it? But even for a midfielder to have the confidence yeah. to do that at centre half. You know, anytime you see a midfielder, nearly panic at that. Where, where did he play his best football for Cork? In the mid, in Number 10. Field. Number 10. Yeah. It's an attacking midfielder. It just goes to show good footballers can play anywhere, can't they? That's it, you see. He's like a great. You, yeah. Like you're looking at him last night, like, and you think he was centre half all day long. Yeah. He was so calm and assured, like as you say, with that digital box, but everything else he done. There was well, no slash, lashing at anything or putting anything down the pitch. No. Everything was calm and assured. and well, Even even uh, squaring up to attackers and tackling and everything like that, nothing yeah, was, just, everything was calm, assured, yeah. the foot in at the right time, standing up when he, up when he had to. It was a complete, I, I think I put it on Twitter, it was a clinic in how to play centre half. Oh yeah. Mm. 
You show that to a young fella playing who's growing, who wants to be a centre. Watch him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and stepped into midfield when he needed to, and, yeah. and hanging back when he needed to. He knew exactly. He was. He came, even came close to scoring at one point. If you remember, broken, went out for a corner, yeah. deflected away for a corner. Yeah. What do we do? We do we hear anything about McFadden or for the weekend? Uh, cold for the weekend. But will he be back? I wonder. Or is it? Hurt. I didn't Don't hear now, but. I can you drop either Timo or Buckley from centre half after that performance? Well, I mean, if I think if McFadden fit, you play him beside Timo, and I would put Buckley in front of both of them. Yeah, I, I suppose look, McFadden has to win for a game of champs. You need that com that combat, really, don't you? Yeah. In centre half to rough them up a bit, and, you know, just not be afraid of nothing. And also for corners, I think, you know, proven. Yeah, I think <laughs> a, way, a way to Shams, like, what's going to be your best opportunity yeah. to nick a goal is going to be a set piece, I would yeah, imagine. And like if you Buckley and Timo and uh, McFadden on the pitch, you know. Um, yeah. Will we. Do you want to move off Derry? Anything else to add about the Derry game? I've really. Yeah. Well, we do. Well, the other thing, oh, sorry, Sean, I'm cutting across you. Um, we had spoken about it before we started recording as well, is uh, Alex Cooper, who. Put you know swung that ball left to right yeah, in for the goal. Yeah, great ball. Um, you know, Sean, as I said to you earlier on, it'd be kind of disappointing. You know, if we play four more games and we just see a kind of snippet of Alex Cooper coming off the bench every now and again, it feels like he's got loads to offer. Oh yeah, it's a sin having him on the bench. He's a wonderful left foot. So, so I, t I, t I, I, I think he probably has to play too, but I would imagine he'd be finding a place from in, so in midfield rather than rather than. Left back, rather than left back. Oh, yeah. 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 oh no, I do. I agree with you. If you can get him further forward, yeah. even better again. I think, yeah. he, I think he's got to play left midfield. So what do you do? How how does that work? I, well, this like last night. What do we line up with? Well, it was on Twitter. We I, I don't think we lined up that way. It was on Twitter that Junior was up top, and yeah, Cockle yeah, yeah, was yeah. in the number ten. But it didn't work out like that. No, Cockle, but the freeze was the number ten. But it 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 could yeah, but it could work out like that if you had the freeze coming from the right and Cooper coming from the left. Yeah, and it would be Darren Jesse, but I think. I think that I, I think I think the, the I think Cooper's uh, end product is be is probably outweigh Jesse's end product. Absolutely. Like don't get me wrong, Jesse was and and I was saying this even the Waterford game that when Jesse came on, he stood out simply for his work rate and effort yeah. and desire, which is what you're always going to get from him. Like so, I'd never take it away from him. But no. like Cooper's a defender, so we shouldn't be in any bother there with with defending wise. And I think his left foot, as you say, is a, is a wand. So yeah, I, 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 I think you have to look. Sorry, Connor. I think you have to look at the quality of opposition we're going up against as well with Shams. Jesse's delivery was poor last night. You're not going to get five or six chances to get the ball in the box. Yeah. You have to have. And it has to be precise. If you get one chance, it has to be a good ball in. Yeah. And and, and our set pieces aren't great. Like we yeah, I mean, we had a couple of frees even last night. Uh, I know it was windy. But we had a couple of frees from 20, 30 yards out that went, Jesus. Yeah. We tend to, especially corner kicks, I don't know what's it, but we tend to hit the first man a lot and stuff. Like Cooper's, Cooper's good with the set pieces too, like so. Okay, so um, that is the Derry game. Great to see a win uh, in the showgrounds again. Um, we, sp we spoke to uh, Will Seymour um, just before we started recording the pod. Uh, we had a great chat with him, a really nice guy, and um, we opened the conversation by asking him how we ended up coming to Sligo Rovers. Um, yeah, so um, when I was playing in the States, uh, when I was at Cincy, um, I played with Richie Ryan, obviously, and um, being like a younger player, you know, talking to him and, you know, 
when it got to that point of your career, like moving around and, and you know not knowing if you're gonna stay somewhere, like he'd always talk about uh, League of Ireland and obviously uh, knowing a player of Rich, uh, a player of Richie's quality, you know, like I'd research him and where he's played and you know I'd watch videos of League of Ireland and, and stuff like that, and he'd always ask like you know what my thoughts would be about going back to Ireland and, and Europe and stuff and. Uh, when I first left Cincy, I kind of was, you know, iffy about it because I had another move in the state, so I, you know, wanted to stay stateside and stuff like that. But then, once I left Reno, you know, I kept talking with Richie and I played against him a couple times and stuff, and I, you know, I just started giving it a go. And I think um, he was definitely a big influence on, you know, me coming here because he spoke so highly of the club, uh, the football that's played in League of Ireland, um, and then also uh, my family live in the UK, so being closer to them, like, you know, I've been away from them for almost a decade now and you know not being able to see him regularly is kind of something that I wanted to do so it was it was a mixture of things but definitely like Richie Ryan was a massive influence on me coming here. We'll, we'll talk about um, we'll talk about you know your family and the UK and things like that yeah. but how does Richie where does Richie Ryan fit in in the caliber of uh, major league soccer and uh, midfielders and players where, where is he standard wise? I you? think personally for me I think he's definitely one of the best players I've, I've played with. I mean, you know, if you look at him as a player, obviously, and he wouldn't mind me saying this, but like athletically, you know, he, yeah. he's not someone that's gonna cover ground. <laughs> and, but, you know, I've never seen him give a pass away since I've known him for three, four years. So I think he's one of those players that, you know, when, you're, when I was at Cincy and I was training with him every day, it was definitely something that I watched him do on a daily basis and in a game with such little effort that it was just something that you know I would you know obviously do takeaways from the way he plays and try and implement it into my game and stuff but he's definitely <clears throat> up there in terms of you know best midfielders I've played with and, and if you're talking about like major league soccer like he I know he didn't get a chance to go and play that level but I think he could yeah. and I think that is just one of the things you know football is a game of Sorry he's, he's playing just below major league. Yeah yeah USL but I think yeah. Um, you know, he definitely could have done it in the MLS, and I think maybe his age and stuff. But I, you know, in America, like they like athleticism, you know, okay. and I think that probably held him back because like, he wasn't six two and could sprint hundred yards and yeah. all that stuff. But you know, as a footballer, like he's you know on real left foot. Because his his start here was slow, wasn't it? It took him a while to get going. Yeah, yeah. In fact, he kind of stuck the place out a bit at the start, didn't he? Yeah, I think his first six months or so was actually really poor, wasn't yeah. it? And then. Yeah, he sprung into life then after that. Once, it, once he settled back into it, but I don't think he had played regularly for a long yeah. time before he came here. Yeah. So he had so. And he, yeah, and then it just became ethicist, didn't it? it Absolutely. Just, yeah, it was it just like, as you say yourself, well, you know, just watching him play football. Mm. It was a joy, really. Yeah, yeah, like. So it was. It was fantastic. And well, when it came to Sligo Rovers, who made the first contact? Um, so I, you know, I was having conversations with Richie about it and, you know, obviously kind of picking his brains on it and stuff. And I think. Because you know Richie Ryan is such a big name in, in the league and, and definitely at Sligo. I think you know I think he knew John Russell and stuff. Yeah. And he probably reached out and they had conversations and then they got in touch with me and, and my representation and stuff. So it was kind of one of those things that was kind of third party. And I talked to Richie and he'd get back to me. And then uh, you know once I got far far enough along, you know I'd have conversations with Liam and, and Russ and stuff. So um, yeah, it was it was you know a few months in the making and it was a lot of conversations and stuff and. Like I said, you know, I, I really respect Richie's opinion, and he definitely said it was, you know, a good move for me. So it was something that I took seriously and, and looked into. So, and in regards now to the standard of um, facilities and stuff available over in the U.S., 
What was it like when you first arrived here to the show? <laughs> um, I think a culture shock. Yeah, sure. no, I think um, obviously, like in the states, you know, I think especially in, in like USL and, and MLS, obviously there's a lot of money going into the league, and uh, I, you know, you, you look at all these teams. There's a lot of big new stadiums and um, good facilities, and, and you know, brand new stuff. And obviously, that is a big pull for a player. But I think the style of play here and the and the quality of play and and just like the uh, like the influence and the knowledge of the game you know and, and no disrespect to american soccer obviously and, but when you go over there obviously like a lot of players and and people you, there's a lot of guys i played with in the states that you know they don't watch soccer or they don't watch football you know they only watch like baseball and really? nfl and stuff and they play soccer because they're good at it but they don't they're not fully enveloped in the culture of it and obviously right. you come here and it's you know everybody's into football you know what I mean yeah. it's like it's it's serious it's everything matters and um, that's something that for me as a player I think is massive you know you want to be somewhere that everybody takes it seriously and the fans take it seriously and it's like the culture is it's serious you know and I think in the states it's nice to play there the level is good and it's it's not an easy league and stuff but sometimes you, you think as a player like alright like if, if you win something here, does it really matter? Obviously, you want to win a trophy anywhere, but you know if you can win something where it means a lot to not just yourself, but the fans and the club yeah. and, and the city you live, then I think uh, that's always nice to have as a player. Like you've achieved that. So, so um, when you were, um, so you, you lived between as you grew up, you lived between the states and uh, the UK. Um, I think your father was in the military, and that was kind of yeah. how you ended up on kind of both sides of the Atlantic yeah. in different periods. Um, so um, you were playing schoolboy football at a reasonably good level in the UK, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I had been back and forth a lot, and I played club soccer in, or that's what they call like youth football in America, but in it's uh, just like you know club teams and stuff. And then when I would, when I was younger, I'd always go back for summer back to England and stuff so I'd always go on trial at like different clubs and stuff and I went on trial at Colchester and I was there for they let me in the development academy for a little bit so then that's when we moved back my dad got uh, stationed over there and then you know just growing up there I would bounce around at different academies and then once I um, I think when, when I was like 15 16 we moved to Cambridge and I was playing I wasn't at like a big academy I was playing in the non-league at Selham and I was playing like first team when I was like 16 or something and then that's when I got the call up for like Cambridgeshire County boys uh, county team and then I was there for playing there regularly like three or four years and stuff so did you come into contact with any kind of notable players in um, the youth games in, in the UK? I'm sure I'm sure I, I, I'm sure I remember I just I remember playing for Cambridgeshire and we played uh, Birmingham and there were some players on that team like I mean I can't remember names and I'm sure they you know they, they're playing somewhere now but yeah, yeah. Just like, you know, we were a good team, but, you know, they were just like next level, you know. So I think um, it's nice because you play against guys that, you, you know, you don't mind not know their name at the time, but you can tell they've gone somewhere with their football and stuff. So the county level at, in England is a, it's a very high level. At yeah, yeah. it's a very, very good standard. I mean, it's, it's a lot of... Next step will probably be the, the national yeah, yeah, side. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I think, you know, it's, it's, it's probably like that mid-tier of filtering out of, you know, these players are real players, you know, yeah. so I think it was nice to be in that and I think it helped because on our Cambridgeshire team, I remember that, you know, it was either, it was at the time, it was Cambridge United and they were in uh, just below, they used to be called the Blue Square Prem, yes. I think it's the yeah. Vanarama League now, so they were just below League Two and then 
Histon was the other team in the blue square, and every it was about twenty but five guys in the squad, and twenty four of them were from Histon and Cambridge, and then I was the only one from Soham, like on non league. Oh really? So, yeah. So I think <laughs> it helped that I was playing against men and getting yeah. the crap kicked out of me and stuff, and um, so that was it was nice to you know be able to achieve that and you know not being in a traditional like big academy I suppose. So, and when yeah. you were younger, did you were you always centre midfielder or? Uh, no, actually, when I was younger, like, well, when I played in the States, I was a forward. Right. And then when I came to England, I played right wing, and then when I was playing non league, I was right back. So, and then when so I, what's your, what is your preferred position? Midfield, centre midfield, yeah, for course. sure, yeah. Because when I, when I would get called up for a county, they would put me in midfield. So, and that's when I probably started seriously playing my position, because um, before that, I could play everywhere, kind of thing. So. Were you. Were you Strong as a as a younger player? No, no. I was I was pretty skinny. I, I was pretty quick, and I think I was you know I might not have been technically as, as good as other players, but I think I was probably smarter, like reading the game and stuff. So I always settled better into midfield, and I think that helps because I can play everywhere. So I kind of know the game like generally. But there are definitely players much better than me in you know different positions. So. <laughs> um. So you you ended up in in Sligo, um, and the start of the season was um, it was a pretty disastrous start of the season. Yeah. And then in the context of, of COVID, um, it kind of made things worse because you'd all this time to think about it. But um, you know, I suppose after those initial days, when after those, those initial games, and um, when we went into the lockdown, um, you know, what was your kind of perception of the start of the season? You know. How do you kind of program that? How do you kind of process? Um, yeah, I agree. Like it, it was tough, and I think everyone on the team was frustrated, and, and you know, I wouldn't say we were defeated, but I think we were just. It was more frustration because I think everyone on the team knew we had the quality. Um, we knew what we could do as a team, and I think maybe a mixture of the injuries at the start of the season. We had a lot of injuries at the back and stuff, and maybe team chemistry because it was you know a lot of new players and stuff trying to get to know each other but I don't think at one point we were like um, I guess consigned to you know like oh this is how this is what we're gonna be like I think it was more we were frustrated that we weren't where we're at now sooner you know what I mean I think um, uh, it was not you know we were always kind of pushing each other and stuff and I think we knew we were gonna turn a corner and I think but at the time, you know, it was tough, like you say, like when we went to the COVID break, it was like, all right, geez, like, you know, we've played four games, we've lost four games. You're like, this, you know, this is going to be tough if it's going to be a short season, blah, 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 and stuff when we came back. But I, I don't think, you know, you could ask a lot of guys on the team. I think we all had the great mentality, great professional mentality. I think we knew, like, we were going to turn a corner. And I think um, I think that, Sham, that Shams game we played, and I, I know we lost, but I think we played much better than what we did. And even the Bows game before that, too. It's funny you mentioned the Shamrock Rovers game because it was actually I was in the crowd that night and I watched that game and I just thought I took so many positives from the game even though the result wasn't yeah. positive. I just I even said this, and I mentioned it to a few people when I was walking out together. I said that team is going to turn the court. They're going to click. We have a team on our hands. It's just coming and it's, it was through injuries and everything else. We were we were depleted squad at the start of the season yeah. and I think that has to be taken into account massively. Yeah. You know? So even for you though as a player that must have been frustrating because. You were playing centre half for us more, yeah. more often than not. Yeah. You weren't getting to showcase your own ability. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously it's frustrating when you don't play your position, but you know, like I'm a team player first. You know, like if if the 
team's winning, you know, we all look good. You know, there's no point in um, just being selfish and want to play my position because, you know, I think you look at Gary Buckley, like I think he was a 10 before he came here. Gary Beckenbauer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and but, you know, he's he's played centre-back and he was unbelievable, you know. So I think I think that's just speaks to the team mentality in terms of, like, you know, everybody's just doing whatever they want to win. Like, we need yeah. to do whatever it is to win. So, like I said, it was frustrating, but... Like I had helped the team out, and I'd you know I'd do it if we needed again. So, um, yeah. Um, when we went into lockdown, was there? Um, did you know that you were coming back? Did the team know that they were going to come back, or was that all up in the air? Um, I think it was. It was strange. Like when we first went, it was kind of this thing that everybody thought was going to be like a couple of weeks or like a month or you know. So we were like still training pretty hard, and all right, we're going to be back soon. And then once it got to that point, it was like all right, this could be like pretty long time kind of thing and I think that's when your mentality shifts it's like okay are we is season gonna come back or is you know is the league gonna restart and this and that so it was weird I think it was at first it was definitely like all right gonna be short but then it changed to like all right could be the long haul here or something like that so and um, you were back in Colchester during that time uh yeah no I went back to Cambridge my parents Cambridge, lived, sorry, yeah, yeah. living in Cambridge now so uh yeah me and my uh fiance we just went back and kind of just hibernated really just like oh, were you kind of trying to keep on top of things yeah yeah, yeah. I mean it was, it was great because you know the staff here and, and uh, the club were great because obviously they, they would send us you know workout regimes and okay. per player and you know, obviously fitness and lifting and stuff and I think again you know I'm speaking to the, the great mentality of the team is that everybody were on top of it and they kept on their workouts and everybody came back fit and, and I think that just showed you know I think we were hungry to get back kind of thing so. how did your body adapt to coming back because it felt like it was very intense straight away when you came back from so from being locked down. I know you say you were training and no doubt you're training very hard, but as everyone knows, you know once you're training with a foot, with a ball, yeah. with a feet, everything is different. Yeah, you know, no, the body yeah, no. is different. Then. Yeah, you're, yeah, no, you're right. I think um, it, it was like you know obviously you get back and <clears throat> those first like weeks. I think uh, like you said, once you're on the ball and you're you know you can only train so hard by yourself. So once you're with a team and doing stuff like it was, it was almost like a mini preseason. But I think. You know the the fitness plan stuff that the club gave us, that like Russ and all the different staff came up with. Like I think it helped us because you know it was really good and guys took it seriously and um, I think they eased us back in just the the right amount and stuff. So uh, yeah, I think like you said, it was always going to be tough. You know it's weird like kind of having a preseason stopping, having another preseason kind of thing. But uh, yeah, no, I think um, there's always worries of injuries, but I think everybody you know did their due diligence and didn't push too hard while they were gone and. Kind of like that kind of stuff. So. Um, when we came back and we had the win, first came back in the Brandywell and Derry, what had changed? Um, I think, uh, I don't really know. I think in terms of like, like you know, the, the quality of player we have, nothing. I think maybe the biggest change was the team's mentality and, and hunger and desire to just kind of go out and not respect any, any opponent. You know, I think we went out to that Derry game and we were like, boys, like, Let's just give it a go. Like, there's nothing. Obviously, you know, we don't want to fall behind, but you know, what's like, why not us? Kind of thing, kind of mentality. So I think we just went out and we didn't give them any respect, and I think we kept, we've carried that through to a lot of games, and it, it's been infectious. Like everybody's hungry and training, everybody's hungry and pushing each other and stuff. So definitely, uh, the mentality was the biggest change. How did you find it coming back to no fans? <laughs> not that the League of Ireland sells out yeah. or anything like that, but. Uh, it was strange. It was. I mean, it's 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 kind of like I don't know. It's. I think it's more of 
because obviously when you're in the game, you know, every player is different. You don't really, I don't really take into, obviously you, listen, you hear the fans and stuff, but like when you're in the game, you kind of just treat it like every other game. But I think definitely the atmosphere, like when you're warming up or if you score or, you know, you obviously give a ball away and you hear everybody groan kind of thing. Like that's different because, you know, you either use it positively or negatively, yeah. but yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was strange, and obviously now I'm kind of used to it, but it was it was kind of almost like preseason training games. Do you think some players prefer not having crowd there? Um, I don't know. That's a tough one. I can only speak personally. I I would much rather have a crowd, you know, like because obviously, you know, you if you if you're down, the crowd lifts you up, and if you score, you use that energy for the next thing. And I I would say most players want the crowd. I I think maybe when you're playing away, maybe it helps to not have a crowd, you know, because yeah. you don't have yeah. get the abuse and stuff like that. But um, it, it, might, it might help this Friday when you go to somewhere like Tala. Yeah, just I was going to actually ask you on that. You got a snippet of the Rovers fans. Yeah. Unfortunately, not at our peak as such, <laughs> but um, you got a taste of the Rovers fans at home for a Shams game. You know, what did you make of that? And oh, I thought I thought it was great. Honestly, I think. Um, you know, that's uh, something that, like I spoke about earlier, you, know, like you, you get fans in the States, but it's not the same, you know, it's not the same intensity and, you know, like, you lose a game in the States, you get still get clapped off and you tell it all, like, unlucky, you know, next game, you know, whereas here. Not here. Yeah, here. Yeah, <laughs> I think I get one pass away and you just hear it, like, oh, like, you know, in the, in the stands and stuff. And There's guys who sit behind me in the main stand, even when the passes go where they're supposed to go. They're yeah, because yeah, it was funny because, like, my, um, my missus, you know, she's American and, she she knows about soccer and stuff, but she's not you know she's not like you know she's not that into it kind of thing. And she she'll come to the games. And I remember because obviously growing up in England, like I kind of know how fans are over here. I said to her like, if I'm playing and someone says something bad about me, do not say anything. <laughs> and she and that she was at the the Shams game, and I think I I gave a ball away or something, and you know someone said something, and she was like, oh, I took every fiber of me to not say like, hey, you be quiet. Be very good. So, but uh, no, I, I think it's great. I think the fans are great. I mean, and in in specific, like the, the Sligo fans are unreal. You know, the support and the intensity that you have for the team. You know, even though there are no fans here, and we only had a hundred the other night, you could hear them, and you know, it really helps. And you know, the players are, are trying to do it for them too. So, and how have you found it around the town now? Have you noticed it? A wee bit strange because it's a, it's something that a lot of Rovers players that have, well anyone that signs for the club really has says they they couldn't get over the reaction to get around even walk around Sligo Town the amount of people that have stopped them and asked them how they are and you know the the amount of fans that get behind the player and really help the player settle into the community as such. Yeah, no, I I, I think um, when you know when I first got here, obviously like uh, I, like you said, I've had a lot of interactions, a lot of people saying like good luck tonight and. Asked me about the game and, and you know you played well etc. You played bad etc. And uh, no, it's great because I think it it really helps you as a player. A like it shows you how much it means to people. So obviously when you step on the field, you know you have to respect that and you have to go out and give everything you got because you know it's obviously as a player you want to win, but you know it's you have a lot of people supporting you and you know uh, that kind of stuff and also be like you know in terms of settling into a place that helps because obviously you know everyone's asking how you're doing and, and telling you like best place to eat or you know have you been here yet kind of thing so that's nice as a player and it's been it's been nice so uh, the the three games prior to the win against Derry um, just gone those three games the draw away to Pats the loss to Bowles and the loss to Waterford um, 
you know, we don't want to dwell too much on, on those three performances, but I think they came, they were a bit of a sucker punch to the fan base. What, 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 what happened there, do you think? Um, in particular, I mean, I, I think, I kind of, I, I could accept the Pats game to a degree, you go away, Inchicore is never a great place for us. I think the Waterford game was kind of tough because, you know, they're a club that are in turmoil, they just lost their manager, there was all the shenanigans about COVID and them not travelling up here, you know, their, their physio or the team doctor had left. We felt that Waterford were a team who were really kind of all over the place. And I think the fans were, you know, I think we were really expecting, particularly after beating them here, we were expecting another win down there, but the, the performance was pretty poor. Yeah, I think, um, like you said, I think the, the Pats game, that was a tough game, obviously, like I said, on the road. and. Um, it was just one of those games I think, you know, we got a point and we didn't play our best, obviously, but the effort was there. I think, you know, guys ran hard and, and it was one of those things like, you know, as the game went on, I, you know, we got a point and we got out of there. The Bows game was, that was a tough one because I thought we played well and it was one of those games where it, was, it could have gone either way and, you know, we conceded that goal and it was just, that was, I think that was a sucker punch for us too. But like you said, the Waterford game, I think we as players take responsibility for that because, you know, it just wasn't us. Like, you know, we just didn't come out with the energy and intensity that had won us all these games since the, the restart. So I think um, that's something that we used for the Derry game. You know, I think we look back at that Waterford game that like we can't, you know, we can't have that mentality and can't come out like that. So I think we used that as, you know, motivation. For the Waterford game, was there, not trying to find excuses or anything, but was there a certain amount of nerves built into it? Because I know as us as fans, we nearly built it up as a cup final in yeah. regards to how much it's meaning to the club that were so close to Europe. Yeah. You know, to getting there, did that travel through into the players and kind of add an extra? Um, I, don't, I, I wouldn't say, you know, I'm not saying that obviously the players don't respect the fans, you know, the support and stuff like that. And I think as, you know, players, we know too, you know, we know the expectation and, you know, because obviously we're looking at the table and stuff like that. And I think, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was nerves. I just think it was one of those games where we just, you know, we just didn't come out right. Yeah. I think, you know, I, and I couldn't say what it was. and. Like I said before, you know, we every one of us would take responsibility for it because that's just not that's not our standard kind of thing. So I think it was it was tough because uh, you know it was it wasn't a sucker punch like um, like the Bows game where we played alright and could have got something out of it. It was just we just didn't do it, and uh, you know we disrespected us and our fans and stuff. So I think um, you know, like I said, we used that as motivation for the Dairy game because we we're like we can't. You know, we have to start quick, we have to come out, we have to some other teams and stuff. And when we do that, you know, we can play the football and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I think we just, you know, we looked at it, we have to earn the right to play kind of thing. You can see that you did use it for motivation for Derry last night because watching on, you could just see that intensity. There was a real desire in the, in, in 1 to 11, like every player gave everything last night. You could see it from the, from start to finish. You, you were relentless yeah. in everything you'd done last night. It was, it was great to watch as a fan. Yeah. So I'm sure it was even better to be, to be involved in it on the pitch. Yeah, no, like I said, it was just, um, you know, we, we used it and we, we just came out and said, and said, you know, we have to, you know, do better than that Waterford game. And, and the way to do that is just to come out and bring the energy and intensity and tackle and run and do everything right offensively and defensively and stuff. And uh, like I said, you can see it, it translated into a good win. So. Well, what are the conversations about in the dressing room? Are, they, are you talking about Europe? Um, I think it's, you know, you're always thinking about it, obviously, because like, you know, like mentioned before, like we're close, but I think, you know, you don't really want to just always think about, I think, you know, right now we're thinking about Friday and, and Sham, so I think, you know, once that game goes and whatever the result, we're going to think about the next game kind of thing. I don't, I think, you know, as a team, we just want to 
take it one game at a time and treat every game almost like, you know, like a tournament or a cup final and, you know, we play one and then we move on to the next kind of thing. So I think... Um, how, how do you approach a game like Shams? Uh, it's an away game, um, where they've got an eight-point lead, you know, they're going to win the league, I think it's fair to say, and um, it's going to be uh, an exceptionally difficult game. You know, what, how do you prepare for a game like that? Um, I think, you know, as, as a team, I think, obviously, you know, we have set a standard from that dairy game in terms of how we have to come out in terms of the energy and, you know, I think that's that's the first thing we have to do, you know, I think, obviously, we know how good Shamrock Rovers are. If you look what they did to Waterford, yeah. and Waterford beat us, you know, we'd be a bit worried. Yeah, I think you look at a team like Shamrock Rovers and obviously they're quality Shams. Shams. <laughs> Shams. <laughs> and, you know, they're, Shamrock, yeah, yeah. 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 they're really grind on yeah. um you know they're a quality team, but you know we're, we're a good team too. So I think um, you know it. You know you have to be realistic, and it's going to be a tough game. But I think it's one of those things. If we got and we do our things, we're going to give ourselves the best chance of, of getting something out of it. So um, yeah, I think you know we're not nervous or worried. It's just we have to go out and perform like we did, and you know we'll give ourselves a good chance. Uh, Shams away, Shams away, Cork at home, Dundalk away. Um, you know. I think we're all, we're all agreed the, the game in town is going to be tough. Dundalk, hopefully, are going to be looking at concentrating on Europe. Um, there's an opportunity there for, you know, there's an opportunity there for 10 points. If you draw in Tala, three wins, and, you know, you don't know what happens then. No. Yeah, no, I think, um, yeah, no, like I said, you know, you, we, obviously, we're, we have goals and we have expectations where we want to be, and I think, uh, it, you know, we we look at that and you see, like I said, ten points. But you know, we just focus on that first game against Shams, and then you know we go from there. And hopefully, we can pick up wins and keep the momentum going. So, one by one, really. What happens at the end of the season and the start of next season? Where do you see yourself? Where do I see myself? Like, uh, like staying here or as a player? I mean, I, I you know I'd love to stay here. Like you know, I I enjoy living here and, and playing here and stuff. And I think um, that's one of those things that's tough conversation has a player because obviously situations can change fast and stuff so I think it's uh, it's one of those things like once I cross that bridge I'll kind of you know think about it then kind of thing. Well I think your versatility has um, is a huge benefit to the team particularly you know when you have to kind of those dodgy patches where you have people who have been injured and you've got someone like yourself who can play in the middle of the park you know you can play in a more advanced role you can go into centre half it's a little set of players that you're going to need yeah. uh, to tie things over um, Actually, how how did you feel about being captain last night? That was <laughs> it, yeah, it was honestly I was I was humbled honestly because I wasn't expecting it and honored. But you know I think um, you know it was it was nice to wear the armband and and kind of lead everyone. But I think you know we have eleven leaders on the field. You know we are a pretty uh, strong team personality wise. So I think you know it doesn't really matter who wears the armband because you know we're all kind of demanding and leading each other kind of thing. But yeah, it was nice. I mean, it was something uh, I haven't done in a while, and um, it must yeah, be a nice vote of confidence from the manager though, to see that he thinks that highly of you that he wants you to go and lead the team. And that yeah, way. yeah, no, I definitely, like I said, I was humbled because um, you know, obviously, you know, I haven't won the armband here, but you know, I try to lead as a player and and vocally and stuff. So it was it was nice to get that, and obviously, it gave me a big boost for the game and stuff. So um, yeah, no, it was it was a good experience. So. That's Will Seymour there, um, really good chat with him there, really nice guy. Thoroughly enjoyed the chat with him actually, um, very honest. Yeah.
and not just your typical cliched answers from a footballer. Yeah. So he went into detail about everything really, it was uh, quite insightful actually. And um, I mean, I think we'd like to see him, McGill, what do you think we'd like to see him here next season? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I don't think we've seen enough of him this season. Yeah. There's, you can see there's bags of potential there, and yeah, you'd love to see more of him. Definitely would. Yeah, I think he'd be very dynamic in the field. Yeah. Yeah, you know, 100%. As, we, as he says in the interview, you know, he had to play centre half for basically the start of the season. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We haven't seen enough of him in the right position. He was injured then for a while as well, that's but right, yeah. um, you can definitely see there's, there's bags of potential there in him, and um, it'd be great if we can. Sure. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> um, okay, we'll have a quick uh, chat about Shamrock Rovers, uh, who we play on Friday night. I think we can nick a draw. I think we can nick a draw. I, I think, the I think we can also go about 6-0, so... I don't, <laughs> think, we're, I don't think we're going to get tanked. I don't think we're, we're going to get tanked either. We're not Waterford. Yeah, yeah. I don't think... Uh, Liam Buckley's not naive enough to get tanked. Yeah. We, that's one thing... In we, fairness to us, we're not... We're, 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 we're reasonably sound defensively. Yeah, but we haven't even gone to Tallinn that well after the last few years. No, so and then. no crowd up there. I think that'll be that'll have a huge impact as well. I think if you go up there and there's whatever it is, five or six, seven thousand people there, compared Being to being for the Colchis blood. Yeah, like it's yeah. it's, um, it's yeah. you know it's a different story altogether. Without taking the blood of the real lovers. I mean, I'd, I maybe not against uh, Shams, but maybe looking into the Shams game, I'd be looking to play Buckley and uh, Moran in the middle of the park. I'd play Alex on the left, Alex Cooper on the left, Regan fullback. I'd play uh, De Vries, number nine. I'd play Junior, number ten, and I'd play Coughlin down the right. I can't agree with you, Coughlin no, on the right. I wouldn't put Coughlin on the right neither. I think, I think he's, I think he's just taking him out of the game completely. He's mm. not a right midfielder. It's not like the one thing about I, see, it's hard. It's so hard to pinpoint with us where when you look at the game and look at our team and think we have so many good players on the pitch and why, where's it going wrong and what's but I think up top we need like Cochrane tends to come deep a lot to do the work and so does the freeze like and so does Junior be working around the place and we don't seem to have if we could get even like if you're if we want to maybe put Cochrane in the number 10 and have him holding up and joining and linking the play and stick Junior up top and stay up top and have especially against Sham we're going to be sitting so deep in that I'd say Leave Junior as the, the top man and just ping balls over it. Let him yeah. chase things. And you see, I'd agree with you on that. I don't think you're playing... Like, I know we're saying it's a number 10, but it's not a... It's not a... It's not messy or... Yeah. number 10. So he's just playing deeper. Just playing it deeper. Just linking, that position. He's, he's linking the midfield. But and, that's what he played last season when Romeo was up top. Yeah. He played deeper yeah. than he Romeo. Did, yeah. And he linked that yeah. play. And that's how Romeo got a lot of his goals. Also, if you play junior in a more advanced number nine role, whatever it might be, um, you lose that defensive option that he offers as well. I've said it before. You yeah. do, but that's why you would bring in Cooper in the left to see would be okay. would yeah. be a good cover for that. Like, yeah, because you're he is a defender as by. I'd say I, junior could be one of the fittest lads out there. Though. He's like his work rate. Yeah, is, yeah. Is, yeah. Couldn't disagree with you there. His yeah, work rate is incredible. Like, yeah, know? and even if you were to go with. The freezer on the right side of the field. Like I, I wouldn't play him as a winger or such. I'd be playing him as an inside forward to get yeah. him involved in the play, linking up with Cotton yeah. and Junior again like that. Not necessarily having to go by the left foot. So what do we do? Final Sorry, just one more point, Connor. The problem with that would be then though is who's. It depends who's playing right back. If Noon is playing right back. Oh, you need someone to babysit him. You need someone to cover him. Yeah. yeah. I see. That's the. 
the issue we'd have there then is I'd assume you'd have banked back in though. I think I I do think you could be right in saying that there might be might have been could, a yeah. slight knock, but I do think it was a slight kick up the arse as well. It's just say, listen, it's not just a guarantee yeah. you walk onto the pitch every yeah. night, you know. The fact that he came on would suggest he's not there's nothing too much wrong yeah. with it. Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't take a risk with him if no. there was... We have a quick look in, a quick, quick look at the run-in. Um, we have, I mean, unbelievably, we've only four games left. I know we've more games played than everybody else. I think we've played 14. Um, Waterford, who are a point ahead of us on 20 points, have played 13. Uh, Dundalk, who are two points behind us, have played 11 games. Um, we don't have the most straightforward of run-ins, considering we have, we're in Tala um, on Friday night. Uh, we have only one home game uh, against Cork, so we're playing Shams on Friday night, we're away to Shells, we're home to Cork, and we're away to Dundalk. Uh, Magoo, you've done a bit of work there on, on other run-ins for other teams. How are we well, well, I was just looking, obviously, the Waterford one, they're away to Derry, home to Shells, away to Cork, home to Dundalk, and then away to Harps, last game of the season, which you'd be hoping Harps might be looking for something like that. Mm. Um, but I think the big one, uh, I was just looking, it could be Dundalk, depending of course what happens tomorrow night in their uh, European game. But if they were to qualify, which I suppose we have to hope for now, to qualify, it kills me to say it, but yeah. um, they have, they could have probably the biggest say in it, because they have us, Waterford, and Pat and Derry to play. Now they're talking about if they qualify tomorrow night, them having to play 10 games in October. So, like, what kind of teams are they going to be putting out? What? 10 games in October? Yeah. That's what they're on about between the European games and the league games. So they've, they've got to make a choice whether they throw the league or go for Europe. Well, they can't. They'll have to get into Europe next year. Like, they have to qualify for Europe next year. Yeah. So... They really are in Cash 22, so... Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, you'd, you'd be hoping we're playing them last, that by the time we come around, that they'll have their job done and they're... secure. They're secure and third. But, like, they've... They've Waterford just the game before us, like you'd be kinda of hoping they'd Waterford next or or the game after that where they they needed to pick up the points. Yeah. They've passed at home and most obviously that would mean I would imagine they've Derry away. So like They won't beat Derry anyway. Yeah. They'll definitely go and beat There should be pass at home too, but again it's all lifts and butts of what things are gonna put out. What, suppose, yeah. where are they coming from or the flying back from oh, God knows where in Europe like it's yeah. which are nearly guaranteed with the Europa League yeah you're, so going, it's to all, play, you're going to Eastern Europe so that's why I think they could have the biggest say or not say and like depending on what you know you like we're we're, we're going to be expecting Dundalk to beat Waterford but sure God knows at this stage yeah but I wonder I mean if if they get the group stages so tomorrow night on Thursday night we'll know if they get the group stages this yeah. part will be out on Thursday so tonight as was we'll know if they get the group stages but would that be enough for them for next season like so will they be able to say okay our focus now is on putting in reasonable or maybe like I know you're showing you're saying it's cash 22 but is this year is this year's European money enough to get them through next year if they qualify outside of Europe or do they do they have to get that third spot do you know what I mean like, yeah. so, so I'd say for the owners to have to, I'd say they're wanting, they'll be wanting the European money every year, they'll be looking for it. Yeah, yeah. Like, their dream is the Champions League, but they're not going to get that, obviously. So it'll be, at the very least, you'd have to be qualifying again next year. Like, Super Mario wasn't brought in to 
Not have Europe. No. I mean, European manager like that. Big Well, the wages are going to come into it as well, aren't they? You know, and they have a lot of players up. There's 30, the 30 players signed or something, don't it? Well, I know there's... Yeah, there haven't they, like, no more than ourselves when we were had a success, those wages are increasing all the time. They probably need to get rid of players to get... To bring well, there is a, there's a lot of them coming to the end of the contract this season. Okay. That was, all the talk, that was all the talk after Pert left anyway, wasn't it? That there was, Pert was gone and there's seven or eight of them coming to the end of the contract yeah. that haven't signed new ones. And it's seven or eight of the mainstays in the side. I think yeah. there's a whole well, of them in yeah. and stuff like that. They're all out of contract. Yeah, yeah. Um, the big earners. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, I, I think, you know, the fact that we have three away games, I mean, it, I know there's only four games left, but we, I mean, you'd love another one home game. Oh, yeah. um, obviously, I think we'll be looking for a bit of retribution against Cork as well. You, I know you'd, you'd be hoping they'd be done and dusted at that stage. What are they on? They're on nine points. No, I mean, they've lost to play for as well. Like, you know, that's yeah. not. That's well, Derry well, have thrown themselves into the mix there, so they have with that yeah. last, last night. Yeah. Which, which, which to me is a welcome surprise. Yeah. I'm delighted. Absolutely. Ah, Morty. <laughs> delighted. <laughs> but like, even going back to Derry watching them last night, they were absolutely pathetic. Yeah. They were terrible. And and another team with a big budget. Yeah. yeah. And the just signed a new contract recently. It's, yeah. What's going on there? Like, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, no, they're, they're, they're right in the mix now with Cork and yeah. Harps. And I'd say. Cork and Harps are rubbing their hands now because they're maybe being a wee bit over the top but they're in free fall. <sighs> they're playing water for next. We need Derry to be yeah. stop their free fall. Okay, so um, uh, before we wrap things up, uh, Magoo, what do you wish for for this Friday night? What do I wish for? Um, if I could have one wish for Friday night. A couple of red cards. No, if I had one wish for Friday night, it'd be bring back Danny Ventra for the first 10 minutes and kick Jack Byrne up so far up into the fucking stand that Stephen Kenny can't find him for Ireland squad. <laughs> we have to listen to this nonsense every week. Every day you look on Twitter or open a paper, Jack Byrne this and Jack Byrne that. Oh, Christ above. So what, what, do you, what do you wish for? Actually, I wish for just a scrappy 1-0 win that it just pissed them off something serious. <laughs> yeah. A real smash and grab. Like most people would say, I wish for a 6-0 win, but I'd actually know I'd love to just win dirty. Yeah. And just yeah. to annoy them. Just yeah. to, honestly, just to annoy them. And then for whoever's doing commentary to call them shams. Yeah. <laughs> not, we're not better, just better. <laughs> that's it, not better, just better. Okay, um, that's, uh, that's a wrap for today. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, please share the podcast with... Um, with anybody you think would be interested in it, you can contact us, podcast at borst.ie. That's the email address. Uh, check out the Bitter Red Supporters Trust website, www.borst.ie. And we will talk to you next week.